It's uncut. It's unfiltered. This is the show of shows. This is the biggest names in drag racing. No holds barred. Speaking his mind. I've never had a problem expressing my opinions, but what we're doing here is bigger than that. These are conversations that need to be had in an unfiltered way. Exploring hot topics. Drag racing is all I've ever done. It's all I care to do. And spreading the gospel of drag racing. I respect the history. I appreciate how far we've come, but I want more for this sport, and I'll fight for it. This is the great American motorsport, drag racing. The West Buck Show starts in three, two, one. Hey gang, Wes Buck here, and according to Stevie Fast Jackson, every screw-blown pro mod on the planet Earth is capable of running bottom 570s at 260 miles an hour. Anyways, guys, welcome to the Wes Buck Show. In today's episode, Erica Enders wins again. Shocker, Stevie Jackson lowers the boom on the NHRA pro mod field in Norwalk. The sport loses two more legends. Mike Salinas is steady stacking up Wallies, and Ryan Martin wins again. We begin today with what seems to be a massively hot topic in the sport of drag racing. I'm going to ask you right now, Mike, what do you think? Is it a bigger story that Erica Enders has won five of the last eight races, or Steve Torrance being 0 for 10 here as we hit the halfway point of the Camping World NHRA Drag Racing Series? You know we got to keep it positive, man. So it's got to be Erica winning five of eight on uh, a, a war path that we haven't seen in possibly 18 years, maybe since Greg Anderson uh, went on, went on an unbelievable streak in 2004. Uh, also, I think Steve, as he reminded us uh, in his interview with Amanda Music in the top, <laughs> you end, caught that, eh? Yeah, he he's not. When we ask, is he going to turn it around or? what's happened with that program. They're still third in the points, I believe after, after Norwalk. So it's not like he's, if he was not qualifying, if he was, you know, at the bottom and and struggling or going out first round, that'd be one thing, but they just haven't had a win, but they've had relative success other than that. So I think it's gotta be, it's got to be Erica. He's a so victim far. of his own success right now, right? Yeah, it's a classic I mean, our example. Our expectations are way too high. The, our expectations of Steve Torrance and those Capco boys out of Texas, man, we expect them to win every time they unload that thing. And th- they've done a whole lot of that, right? Absolutely dominant force in top fuel racing. I'm not convinced. I mean, there's been very few teams that have entered that Steve Torrance kind of uh, realm. And it is. I think we're all just, it's like a shock to the system to not be seeing winner circle photos with Steve Torrance in them. I mean, I'm, I'm looking for Ray-Bans and, and a, a hat <laughs> pulled down low. You know, I'm looking for Steve Torrance in the winner circle. I will say that I do think it's a huge story, and I'm with you on the positivity train, that Erica Enders is 5'4'8 in 2022, off to the best start of her career. We've never seen this kind of early dominance from her. You, you mentioned Greg Anderson. 2004 uh he won 15 of 24 races and we've done a little bit of math behind the scenes here and we feel which, like which there is potential is not really no it's not our strong suit not so our bear strong with suit us on this i actually was going to introduce a new segment in the show but i we ran out of time where i was going to say like missteps and mistakes <laughs> things that we can we will we will revet we will come back to because we will inev- inevitably screw something up but man it's been a long time since we've seen something quite like this. Now, granted, Erica's been on some roles of her own in relatively recent uh, history, but man, this just feels different. And I, again, I love to have to talk about positive things and good things going on. And this is 
a really special moment. I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but what could this lead to? I mean, will we see her swing the sweep the swing? Will we see her win a, a fifth world title? I mean, there's so many things. And I don't know about you, man, but there just feels to be, I've said it before here, but it's a, a chip on Erica's shoulder. Something is going on. You know, you there can see her is. racing yeah. with a, and maybe it's just the fashion in which they lost last year. We've heard her talk that she's she wasn't, she didn't really know what that felt like to be this close. I mean, she's had dominating runs and had it locked up by Vegas, but to lose it at the last race of the season, that was a different, definitely a or different experience for her. They've also come from behind and, and True. thrown a Hail Mary for a touchdown at the end of the season, man. I mean, so we've seen it both ways with, with this team and it is a kind of a new position for her to be dominant early in the season. I, I don't think that um, outside uh, her 2015 season, I believe was, was that the dominant one that she had on Painfully the way to the championship? Yes. And we haven't seen that since then. And it, the back to the math, which I derailed you with my comment oh, about our, our math skills. But uh, 12, if, if she were to go, if she were to win 12 of 19 races, that's a better win percentage than Greg's 2004 season in which he won 15 out of 24. So um, we'll see if she sweeps the swing. That's the other thing that's on the horizon we're now entering the western swing that hasn't happened since greg anderson in 2004 in pro stock so we'll, we'll see what this what this uh holds for her but i mean it's all systems well go here's right the now. other thing about it that we're not talking about is that at least going to norwalk that was a thorough ass whipping Right. I mean, let's call it what it is. Number one I mean, qualifier. Number one qualifier ran through them guys like a hot knife through I think she butter. Was number one by like four hundredths on uh, Saturday night. Right. Or yeah, Friday man. I mean, she clipped the whole. She went at 60, uh, 63 and the rest of the I was field, on vacation. Or, no, a fifty three. Right. Yeah. And the rest I, I of the field went at fifty seven. You know, I mean, like, can you imagine how demoralizing that would be? Like to be up there in the lane, like, oh man, we got her hopped up. You know, we're really throwing the kitchen sink at it. And Erica goes out there and clips the whole field by four numbers. That, that doesn't was, happen in pro stock. I mean, man, it happens it in these really other classes. Doesn't. It can happen in fuel classes, pro mod. But for someone to go low by that big of a margin in pro stock is unheard of. It's a big story. And I, I think there's going to be a couple of questions that remain to be answered. Like, do you. Is there any concern of being too hot too soon? There's a whole lot of drag racing left to do, right? We're eight races in. They've got 10 to go. You know, they got 10 more stops to make. Can you maintain this? Uh, I do think that they're a team that has good luck and is, is strong in poor conditions. Like that whole group, there's so many smart people involved. Mark Ingersoll, obviously one of the best to ever do it when it comes to calling shots on these cars. Um, the, the brain trust that has been assembled around that hot rod, Jake Harrison on the keyboard and, and calling the shots on the engine, Kyle at the engine shop. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are involved in this deal and to see them, you know, I would not be at all surprised to see them continue this dominance here through the summer yeah, because absolutely. I think that's when they're really good. When the track, you know, isn't what it is in the spring or in late fall, they can be a difference maker, right? They race all the time. They test all the time. So they definitely have an advantage in these hot summer months, man. But and, it's going to be fun to watch. Is, the class is so close. No one's out of it. And even like I think uh, on the broadcast, I heard Brian Lone say that Greg Anderson has lost six races by whole shots this year. So he's got a good car. He even admitted in his post-race interview, he's just, you know, losing concentration on race day uh, and he's got to work on it and kind of get back on the horse. But, you know, 
he's 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 a mental checkup away from from being right there with him. I agree. I mean, you, like you said, top five in points, but maybe the story and perhaps the question should have been, how about those elite motorsports cars? Because it's yeah. really, they've won seven of eight races. Aaron and Erica. In the Aaron and Erica. Yeah, it's a very, very uh, dominating performance that, again, I don't think we've seen in a hot minute. And I'm, I am, I have questions. I have questions as to what happens next? Because there, there's always been these questions around Erica, like when's it end? How long does she keep doing this? She's a, a young woman, obviously still, but she's got a life to live. I'm sure she has other interests or whatever beyond the racetrack. And you start to thinking about the season that she's having, the potential of winning five NHRA Pro Stock World Championships. I think that thrusts her into greatest ever territory certainly in pro stock, but perhaps part of the overall drag racing conversation as an all-time great w wins enough, right? I mean, you, you start to wonder like, hey, go out on top. You know, you see in other sports, you see people hang around for a really long time and it kind of gets ugly. Right. You know, it happens most, that happens more often than not. It does, man. And a lot Very of times few people know when to step away. And when you see someone having this kind of success, and I'm not trying to like necessarily put that into the atmosphere, but when you see the edge that Erica is racing with here in 2022, and you see the, I, I just feel like I continue to hear comments from her about enjoying the ride, not knowing when it's going to end, uh, taking, enjoying every moment, uh, treating them all like it's her last. And you can just sense there's some finality or something uh, amid going on. It really does feel that way. And I, I mean, Hey, you can't, uh, you, if she quit today, if she walked off, you know, walked out of drag racing tonight at five at the end of business, I, she would have nothing to hang her head about. Right. Yeah. I mean, she's had an incredible career and you think back listening to her top end interview over the weekend, uh, down there on the big end of Norwalk summit motorsports park in Ohio, talking to Amanda Busick, she mentioned, like, I've been in pro stock for 18 seasons. Mm -hmm. You know, people are quick to forget the driving for Jim Cunningham, and they couldn't qualify if, I mean, if they had yeah, she was, 14, she was 15 cars. She was winless in her first seven seasons. Yeah, and that's, mean, that's a good, I mean, you can make a book about the story. We've talked about that. Everyone now sees the success and the domination and the winning and the chip on her shoulder and want to make judgments about, you know, how how she handles her interview or handles handles herself but you gotta know that you, you may have missed that it was this it has was been a hard battle. fought battle yeah she man. fought for seven years to stay and most people as a young female driver would have been out of there after the first couple of years of not winning and not having success but she stuck with it did what it took to get a ride uh for with various teams a lot like leah pruitt leah did what it took to, you know, get on with smaller teams and work her way up through the part-time ranks. And now she's with, you know, fully funded, arguably the, the best funded uh, top fuel team and has been for, for several years uh, back to the DSR days. But it's, it's very similar to that. And I think uh, maybe Leah probably goes through a lot of that same stuff as well, where every, we're so quick to forget about how long these people have been battling to get to the level that they are now. Same for Steve Torrance, even. We were talking about Steve to start this segment. Junior dragster, racer, worked up through the ranks, sportsman, racer, uh, and and now he's uh, among the most dominant top fuel teams. But it didn't just happen overnight. We do. We forget that those early struggles. We forget that story. And I I can't imagine pro stock specifically. We've seen this category 
eat people up. I mean, it has. I mean, people come into Pro Stock with the greatest of intentions and they've got the resources and they've got sponsors. And in 365 days, you never hear from them again. Yeah. I mean, I can think of a lot of people that have come in with big resources, all the right parts and pieces. And within a couple of years, the deal's for sale. It's on racingjunk.com. You know, I mean, it's uh, somebody else's racing out of their rig. I mean, it happens quite <laughs> yeah, frequently. It does, You man. know, and to think about someone like, no wonder she's a little salty. No wonder sometimes we see uh, some edge shown by these drivers, especially the ones who have had to fight tooth and nail. I think that that's honestly been a lot of the the catalyst for the the perceived rivalry between Erica Enders and Camry Caruso, right? EE versus CC. I think, and I don't, I'm putting, I'm speaking for them, but I can't help but feel like Erica Enders looks at that and goes, I raced for seven years before I even got a sniff, before I even got close. It, and it was a, it was a much different environment then too, because you didn't have, we've had Richard on here, Richard Freeman talking about what he and KB and these other teams have done to, to make it accessible for pro stock. And it's obviously still a huge investment and you can't take anything away from Camry Caruso, but they've got, it's a different environment. We, it's not just her. Lots of young people have come in with pretty instant success. Dallas, Dallas Glenn, Glenn one. Kyle, Koretsky, Kyle Koretsky, tons of names that you could throw into that hat. And, but when Erica started in 2004, I believe it was right. I think that was her first yeah. year. Uh, it was a whole different ball game. You, if you came in without, uh, and you weren't on KB or Warren Johnson or what, any of these other teams that were hot at that time, the Mopar deal, um, it, it was an uphill battle, man. And but now it's so much more accessible. So that prop that definitely is some of it. And I wonder too what Erica's, what's her, what's her bucket list or like what's on her Good list of accomplishments that she wants to get before she steps away and. She she shared the stage this past weekend with Angel Sampe, who is the winningest female uh, racer in the history of all motorsports. But Erica now after Angel got another win and Erica got a win, but Erica's only eight wins behind Angel. I believe it's forty six to thirty eight. That may have been pre Norwalk, but there's still er Erica's success in the last few years. We forget sometimes about Angel's success in the in the nineties and two thousands and how she amassed all those wins, and we see her uh, in the winner's circle occasionally now, like we did this past weekend. And uh, Erica's recent success has put her within striking distance of that number, and I wonder if that is a, is a number in her head. It would take a hell of a run in 2022 to get it done, but I do think that it's possible. No, not maybe not all in, all in 2020, but maybe that's what brings her back in 2020. Maybe that is what brings her back, and I think it's a great point. Closing notes on this uh, this bigger story debate. I will say, based on the reaction we saw from Steve Torrance on the top end there in Norwalk uh, discussing uh, his winless streak, unfortunately, I mean, it is a big story. No matter how you. I mean, it's it's a tough thing, and we always hate to talk about anything that could be, you know, uh, deemed negative. But at the same time, it is a storyline that exists in the sport, and we're all waiting uh, to see him break through and and return to form or get back. And it's not like they're doing anything wrong. They've got a fast race car. They're doing a great job. They're just losing some drag races, man. And it really probably speaks to how competitive Top Fuel is in 2022. 40, 14 different finalists this year. It seems like, I mean, that seems like a lot. We have seen a 
you know, runs of dominance. Mike Salinas, four wins. Uh, Brittany Forrest, a couple of wins this year. I mean, there's been some strong teams, but man, they're all so good. But I will say, like I said, closing notes. I do think it's starting to get to Steve a little bit. I think that there's some frustration that we're seeing. I saw a post on social media this week that he made. Please ask me one more time <laughs> when we're going to win. And I, and you can sense the frustration. And I got to be honest. There was a honest, lot of spice. Let it, let it out, man. Let us hear it, Steve. Let us hear it. Get mad. Let us hear it. Because it's so good for the sport when these guys show let some of it, let some of their emotions show, show. man. You don't have to be polished and perfect all the time. I mean, and it's great to see these guys show a little bit of frustration. It's okay. You're a competitive athlete. You're a competitive pref professional athlete. You should be mad when things aren't going your way. You should be getting frustrated when you're used to winning and you're not. We need to see that. And when we can tell that you care, we care. So I'm hoping to see a little bit more sensitivity. I'm hoping to see a little bit more out of Steve Torrance in the coming we weeks. Saw, Hopefully we they saw turn a lot of sensitivity around. in Norwalk. There was uh, the deal with Cruz Petragon and Ron Caps on the starting line uh, with Dean Antonelli at, at the end of the or they turned and interview him after the run, and he gave us some sound bites there about what he thought about Cruz taking his time to stage. And same thing with Matt Hartford and Erica, uh, as far as the elite crew's take on, on Matt's staging procedure, both were within the legal confines of the, of the rules, but there were definitely some exceptions taken to those. And I, we're getting to the point of the season where it's the, it's kind of the, we're going into the Western swing. The countdown is approaching Indies approaching. And it's like a lot of these teams that are winless or that are trying to knock Erica off her, her uh, throne right now are, you know, hey, we, we got to buckle up. We got to we got to get this going. We don't have a lot of races left that we can have this dominance continue or continue to lose rounds to this person or go winless or whatever the case may be. It's you're 100 percent right, man. And I actually don't have this drawn up as a question for the day. But I do think that this the heat of summer, these dog days of summer, they start to get to everybody and we're kind of at the end of everybody's out of their early season optimism mm -hmm. nobody's looking on the bright side anymore right the bright you know everybody we're starting to burn into budgets gas is six diesel six dollars a gallon and i think we're starting to see some frustrations boil over i mean these these staging situations and i personally i don't think those things are uh, criminal offenses man i don't know that they're it's worth good they're good for the sport man they're they good are. for the sport and and even though those those teams may be mad in those moments or whatever, and you, and I get it, you feel like a target's on your back, uh, but if the shoe's on the other foot, you're probably doing the same thing, and that's drag racing, taking advantage of, uh, you know, what you may know someone's tendencies to be, or anything you can do to try to gain an advantage as a driver if you're if you're behind the eight ball on performance, you got to do it. If we're not doing that, then let's just race Quit. remote control cars. Yeah, we should quit. I mean, I, you know, to be honest, in all fairness, if Matt Hartford didn't roll up against Erica and try something, I mean, I may have considered like lobbing a burrito at her windshield <laughs> like the Anchorman movie. You know what I mean? See, do something. You oh, know, that's because what we did, man. Back in the day, I mean, we, you know, racing with my dad, we always had a strategy going up every every run if what we were going to do. And they had a strategy against us. They knew our tendencies. Yeah, and I just, Charles Carpenter wants being, to stage last. Yeah, but and, and I mean, we've seen that, a lot of guys try to upset the apple cart, right? But we saw Ricky Ricky Smith did it to your dad all the time. Yeah, it, there was a lot of people that would try to make Charles stage first, and he just wasn't going to do it. 
right? I mean, we saw, we've seen those guys get backed out of the beams. And I think that's what makes our sport great. If we lose that mono mono one-on-one competition aspect, like it's funny because if you look at stick and ball sports, I thought about this over the weekend, there's always like, we're talking about NBA basketball, which is a team sport, but it almost always becomes, the debate go, becomes Michael Jordan, LeBron James, one-on-one, who wins? Our sport's always one-on-one. Like we have so many, it's so good. We have in constant moment, one-on-one, it's one-on-one competition. It's a right? team sport in the pits and in the preparation of the car and in all the other aspects. But when once that burnout's done and you backed up, and the doors closed, you push that little button if it's on a pro stock car on the window, and you roll up. That is the true moment between there and the finish line that it is one on one. One on one. So man. we got to see as much of that as and possible. And we need to lean into that instead of trying to punish people or make, make bad guys out of anybody that's willing to play the game. And especially when you're covered performance wise, sometimes that mental edge or getting in someone's head, that's the only opportunity. That's all you got, especially when you're in a class like NHRA Pro Stock, which is massively regulated, right? Very narrow confines, gasoline burning, 500 inch manually. I mean, it's everybody's got relics, basically the same equipment. And if somebody else is making better runs than you, you got to find a way to narrow the gap somehow, some way. And sometimes it's, you know, a little trickery on the starting line and I'm all for it, man. Hey, before we uh, dive into the next of our many topics here on today's episode of the West Buck Show, I want to remind you guys that each and every episode is made way by way of our friend, made possible by way of our friends at Stroud Safety. Stroud Safety is known for their top quality racing safety equipment from drag chutes and seat belts to fire suits, gloves and blankets, all 100% made in America. Log on to stroudsafety.com and make sure you tell them we sent you. Mike, um, we definitely have a lot more to cover here, and I'm glad you brought up uh, the, the tempers flaring because I'm hoping that we get to see a little bit more of that here in 2022 before it's all said and done. Speaking of tempers flaring, there was big news over the weekend. Uh, he wasn't able to seal the deal, but Stevie Jackson set the door slammer world abuzz over the course of the weekend, first announcing his switch from a root-style blower to a screw-type supercharger, newly allowed in 2022 and then by absolutely crushing the field with a painfully impressive 5.701 second 257.63 miles per hour performance to snag the number one qualifying spot besting the rest of the field by four hundredths of, of a second and maintaining top speed of the event by something like five miles an hour man what's uh What's your take on this? Big deal? Little deal? No deal? Screw blower? First, I mean, th- we've seen this story before. A new, a new uh, combination shows up in NHRA Pro Mod, and the next thing you know, they're number one qualifier. Well, man, I think time, time will tell. I think we have yet to see whether this is a big deal or no deal. Stevie didn't win the race. Uh, part failure, an airline uh, caused him, I guess, not to go into high gear against Ricky Smith. Ricky uh, went on to race Chris Thorne. Um, so, and what can you say about Chris Thorne? Oh my gosh. This season? I mean, we could have, we could do a whole show on that, but we'll see what NHRA does and, and we'll see what Stevie does for the rest of the year. Was this, uh, a strategy? Was this a, a rules strategy by Stevie to show what the screw blowers are capable of and then get a, get a rule change put on those cars? And then go back to a different combination. We've heard Ricky Smith in the past kind of threaten that, that, oh, the turbos are sandbagging or whatever the case was. He was going to get a turbo. 
and show him what can actually be done and then go back, but have his nitrous car in the trailer. I kind of wonder with someone like Stevie who has all these combinations at his, uh, at his disposal and has experience with all of them, what he ends up doing and kind of what his end game is. Cause Stevie's, he's got something turning at all times. He's got a plan. He's, he's got something that he's, that he's scheming on and we'll see what that, what, what actually happens. And I wonder how much that performance caught the eye of NHRA after everyone under the sun, a lot of smart drivers, a lot of big, big names, smart people. We've had a couple people on this show say it. And Stevie himself even admitted that he was wrong about the screw blower rules and that they're more competitive than what he initially thought. I talked to a dozen, I mean, no exaggeration, Mike. I talked to a dozen different tuners, drivers. When these, when these new, when the news of the screw blower being allowed in NHRA Pro Mod, which is something that I have been adamantly opposed to, it's, uh, I still today am opposed to it. it, it for well, the you, most you, part. You, you have a t shirt worthy quote. About oh, wherever blowers. screw blowers go, they ruin everything. And it's, it, it, and I have multiple concerns. I got a handful of points to make, but like, as soon as this, the news broke that the NHRA was going to allow screw blowers, I had a couple of questions. Like, first was, what is the goal of this? I mean, are we really, is this about participation? Because I'm not sure that this is the answer. I mean, the, there's not a tremendous inventory of screw blower cars around the country. There are some, and it's a growing number right now for damn sure. But at go back to January or February or whatever before the season started, there it wasn't like that. I mean, there was cars that were racing in PDRA, cars that were racing in Northeast Outlaw Pro Mods, cars that were racing in NMCA, cars that were racing in the Midwest Drag Racing Series. But none of those cars to me, I mean, I talked to a lot of these drivers quite frequently, and I'm not, I never heard from any of them that like, hey man, I'm really hoping that NHRA lets screw blowers in so I can go run that series. Yeah. Most of the racers that no I talked to, they were all very happy where they're at. I mean, the you go pull the pits at a PDRA race. You go pull the pits at a Midwest drag racing series race NMCA on down the list. These guys are really thriving in those regional series and they're completely content with it, right? They, they don't have maybe to pop in one or two. So my, like I said, my first question was, what are we trying to accomplish with this? Secondly, will this work? Can these cars run, uh, be competitive? So I started ringing phones and I'm talking about high level guys all telling me the best that combination can run is 585. Yeah, the best I heard 580s. That, yeah, mid 580s um, is the best combination that the best that combination can run. A 2700 pound overdrive limited. Uh, and supposedly some guys tested with it over yeah, the man. winter, and maybe just too few runs or whatever weren't happy with it and said, "No, nah, this ain't gonna work." From what I understand, I mean, there's a bunch of things to to talk about with this because really, we were just talking here a couple of weeks ago. We had him on the show, Stan Shelton, having a really, really great start to his drag racing career. A guy who's you know spent a tremendous amount of time and still active in the truck and tractor pulling world comes out uh, and is kind of proven, starting at the four wide NHRA four wide nationals in Charlotte, that this screw blower combination's the real deal. And, and that's an operation that's got Steve Petty involved, all the brain trust at ProLine Pro Racing Engines, um, Fuel Tech. I mean, there's a lot of smart people involved in that program. And I understand that, you know, it's all, it's a, the variables are constantly changing. But if we just look at the numbers, if you look at Stan Shelton's performance with the Screw Charge Pro Mod car and Stevie Jackson's performance with a Screw Charge Pro Mod car this past weekend in Norwalk, they're not even on the same planet. Dude, I mean, Stevie went 570 with a one along at 257 alongside Stan, who went 584 zero at 249. 
Uh, next time in the third qualifying session, Stevie went 74 at 257 and change. Stan went 83 at 249. I mean, I can't help but wonder. I mean, it begs the question, are those is Stan Shelton's car capable of matching that performance? I mean, I have to believe it is. I mean, I, I have would to, think so. I have to I believe would think it is. So, and we'll know. We'll see if Stan's car goes out there and picks up uh, next race. You know what? 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 The proof will be in the pudding in that situation. It is. It. It. That is eye opening when you see the the distance the disparity. Stevie's yes, runs and and stands. And to me, it's uh, it, it comes down to. What, what does this do now? Was this a move by NHRA to increase accessibility? Because the screw blower combination is a pretty accessible. The screw blowers are harder to get right now than they've perhaps ever been. It, well, as but, far as, as far but, as outside of supply chain or, or right. getting them, but to get it up and running, it's a common combination and, and it's not um, kind of behind uh, a gated situation like what you may have with a roots blower where you've got to go through one of the, the top guys to get the 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 badass stuff correct. or you're going to be just out in left field and it's so it's a it's an accessible uh, more affordable combination than some of these other like nitrous you know, or uh even pro oh, charger sure. and was that the was that the goal and will we see Will we see that pay off maybe that was the ultimate goal for HRA to try to increase participation by increasing accessibility i don't i don't know what the other motivation could be but it's going to be very interesting to see if we see any more screw blown uh converts come out there or if we if we continue to see it really just be stan shelton depending on what stevie does i venture to say we see stevie stick this out unless a massive you there is no way that you run like that in those conditions be hard to do there's no way that they, in my mind, if there, if a rule change comes this week or next or before the next stop on the NHRA tour that, that will be the significantly hinders the, the screw type, the screw blower combo, then yeah, I think you see Stevie go revert back to the, the roots style blower, Chuck Ford horsepower, CF, CFH, um, uh, a Chuck Ford blower, and I think he'll switch back to that. However, if nothing changes and the NHRA decides, and they, they are all over the map with this stuff. Ricky Smith goes 250 with a nitrous car and they're hanging weight on him by, by daybreak, right? Um, but there have been other instances where the Pro Charger cars have what appears to be multiple 500s on the field and they just let them run with it for a while, right? To kind of let things, I don't know, sort themselves out, if you will. So you, there's no telling what the hell the NHRA is going to do. There there's is no, no telling. There's no telling. And um, maybe, they've, maybe they think they've got to get more data. So maybe there's another race or two left in this for Stevie to you know, continue with that uh, dominating performance and, and, and try to uh, move up the ladder and move up in points. Uh, really, it, it's, it's the rule change. I'm waiting to see what happens with that, if there is one. We haven't heard anything. I don't think we've talked to anybody or gotten any confirmation one way or another. But to me, the other interesting aspect is, do we see any other uh, racers from other combinations switch to the screwball? Hell yes, Specifically, pro-charge combinations. We're going to see a... I'm telling you right now, if they if there isn't a significant rule change very soon, we're going to see a mass exodus. And I may eat my words, uh, and I'll and I will happily do so. But I will tell you right here and right now, if something isn't done very soon, they'll all be they'll all be screw blowers. We will have top isn't alcohol that, funny car with doors. I, and isn't that funny, man? Because 
a few years ago, it was all turbo, right? And then everybody made a mass exodus to Pro Charger. But they made a rule change on Pro Charger and really made it so you've got to run those things at on the, the ragged, ragged edge. edge. Just like that's at or way, near that's the self-destruction. Right. But that's where nitrous cars are running. And well, that's, that's the problem. If, if you ask if you ask Lyle Barnett, that's where they're running that turbo car. But now here we've got a screw blown combination. These screw blowers make so much horsepower that Bro, they're running this thing I bet at that, a low percentage of what it's capable of. And forever, and I don't know if this is I don't know that we necessarily like invented this phrase, but whichever combination is the furthest away from its mechanical limitations has the advantage. And we it is without question that nitrous engines are on the ragged edge. We see probably these the most, roots, the they're most. The, they they are always at their mechanical limit. Always. Really the field is set if you think about it by what the nitrous cars are capable of. Because these procharge procharge turbo and screw blower all and roots blower all can all I mean they've got all the weight hung on them. They've got low overdrive, all the gear ratio rules, everything working against off of what the nitrous cars are capable of running and i don't mean that as any slight to nitrous i'm it just is what it is nitrous but that's what it is that sets the bar because and then all the other combinations have to be brought into check to to make the nitrous or to keep the nitrous combination viable and and even then we only have like one guy one or two guys out there with a nitrous combination Ricky, who is successful with it, but beyond that, there's there's really no one else. Everyone else has either gone to a different combination or left the class altogether. So it's a really dynamic situation because there they are. I agree with that, and I believe that the the root style, the roots blown combination is at its mechanical limit or near with the current rules. Uh, with the current rules, I believe that the turbo combination is is at or near or close. Right? I mean, obviously they're dealing with this. Is one of the other things that has always thrown a wrench in the gears that kind of pissed me off is I don't like when a, an electronic device is a, is the difference maker. Yes. Um, the turbos that are on these 88 millimeter turbos that are on these NHRA Pro Mod cars can make a gazillion, not gazillion, make a lot more boost than they're limited to, probably double what they what they are limited to in competition via an electronic and boost and controller. that's my point about those combinations versus boosted combinations versus the naturally aspirated nitrous combination, which is the big difference between the two. Forced induction versus natural aspiration i mean with fuel injection but still you're you're dependent on the outside area there's no forced induction so that is to me what makes all the all the difference is the fact that you can you can just make a quick rule change and i know i'm gonna get heat from blower guys and and all the other combinations but with a couple reasonable rule changes you can gain a ton of horsepower out of one of those cars they're, no question. We're, they're running at such a, a low percentage of what they're capable of. You can't just tell the nitrous cars to go add more horsepower. No, there's no way to do it. Yeah. I mean, and, and I, from what I understand, talking to guys like, you know, Sonny Leonard uh, before his passing and Pat Musi and David Rear, th- these things, the days of like getting out the jet kit, they're over. <laughs> no, you know these, what I mean? These like, guys don't change jets. They change jets like twice a year, right? Which and everything else like, is controlled with. I mean, hell, you try to change jets in the staging lanes. Oh yeah, right? bring the jet box with you. Bring the bring the clutch kit and the jet box. Right. I mean, and that those days are gone, which very much speaks to how far that combination has come. But we're it's very similar to like pro stock. They're at it's it is what it is, right? Whereas the screw blower deal, I'm telling you, 
and I mean it when I say it, everywhere that deal goes, it it destroys everything and it stinks because it's not that I'm not a fan of it like mechanically. Like I have no problem with it on a funny badass, car. Man. I, yeah, they are badass. And I have no problem with them on an outlaw pro mod car, right? It makes sense. That's it's outlaw. But when you're racing in HRA legal quarter mile pro mod, I just it's so advantageous. I don't see any way that everybody's not running one. I mean, everybody, man. I mean, but why why didn't we see that? There's so many smart guys with this groove lower combination that why is that classic case of no one's had to try it? I guess so. so no one. Knew. I just I just can't believe the blowback on the rule set initially True. when it was announced like it was an absolute joke. It, like well, it people was were laughing something. at it. Yeah. Yeah. But now we're talking about it taking over the class. But I, I just think it's one of those things. And we're all guilty of this, of like preconceived notions. We've got, we know that we've operated within this per, these parameters for our whole career. And we're just can't hardly imagine that anything outside of those parameters could be successful. Because if it were, surely we'd have figured it out by now. But we never had a reason to. We've never had a reason to test with those, you know, with a high gear in the car. We've never had to, you know, run one of those cars at 2,700 pounds. That's another thing is yeah, most of screw blower door slammer shit stuff excuse me that's all outlaw eighth mile lightweight for the yeah. most part i mean it's just total we're way out i think, in I think left the field. rear gear is what mo had most people thrown off for if i had sure. to guess if i had to guess because that's the big and that is a good point that you're making is that specific rule set and these specific changes that need to be made to the car if you had a screw blown combination are what kept people from trying. My question is, did NHRA know that it would run this well? Like, did they, I mean, you got to give some if credit you to, to like Lonnie, Lonnie Grimm. Grimm. Did he know Lonnie, that it was capable of running five I, bottom seventies? I, I bet he I, does. I bet I he did, did talk to Lonnie. I talked to Lonnie and asked him at Charlotte a little bit about what went behind the thinking of this rule change. And he, he believed that it would be competitive. He just was waiting for, for people to take him up on it. Well, and they certainly have, and I think we're going to see a lot of it. By all accounts, I mean, with my ear to the ground the last couple of days, I'm hearing a lot of PDRA centrifugal supercharged teams are ordering screw that's blowers. A, that's another um, thing we need to talk about. You mentioned PDRA earlier, and yeah, that's I a mean, situation I, where we've got multiple combinations in one class. You know what we should change this to is, I mean, for me, I'm going to tell you this. It's a big deal. This is a big deal, and this is going to be, this is going, this situation, in my opinion, will have lasting ramifications. It's going to, it's this particular situation. If you table like the money that's coming into the class and some of the new sponsorship, there's a lot of positive news, a lot of good news, no doubt. But this particular situation, whether or not, I mean, we've been fearful of everybody going to the same combination for a long time. Well, that door is wide open right now. Never been wider open than it is in this moment. I truly believe it. And I'm, I'm genuinely concerned that at some point in the future, we're going to see 14, 15, 16 screw-blown Camaros showing mm -hmm. up for NHRA Pro Mod races. And maybe that's not the end of the world and maybe it doesn't last forever. But this is a... To your point, a rinse and repeat. This is a readily available product with with off the shelf parts. Nobody's having to buy. This is stuff that you can get and put in a car and be successful relatively quickly. And I'm telling you what, maybe our caption should read big deal or big business, because I see this as a business move more so than anything else, not by NHRA, but by engine builders like Proline Racing Engines, there's no doubt in my mind they're seeing this as the next sellable combination. They, they kind of made their mark on the sport of drag racing as the twin turbo automatic guys. They'll put twin, you know, they'll put a twin turbo Hemi in your stuff. 
Before that, a 481X, they'll put a twin turbo 481X in your stuff. They'll put a, a 400 turbo behind it with a converter and they'll put you in the winner's circle, right? Over time, that combination became more and more rule, you know, beat up by rules, beat up by rules, beat up with weight. So they, they had to pivot. Plus twin turbo cars are notoriously hard to manage, notoriously hard to race. So they, they looked for an opportunity to pivot. They pivoted to the screw, excuse me, to the pro charger combination. And that became the go-to you see pro line fielding that combination and everything from pro 275 to pro mod, right? All their teams started to move that direction. The next thing, is the screw blower. I think this is something that will kind of continue. There, there's a, in my opinion, and I don't know this for fact, but looking at it from afar, this is scalability. What is something that we can scale? What is something that's reliable, that's readily available, that is low maintenance? I mean, that's one of the things you hear about guys with, with screw blowers, like guys that are running the same, you know, obviously there's some expense to it. You got to send it back to be recertified. There's, I'm not saying it's pain-free, but it is a very reliable horsepower manufacturer. I mean, if you put, I mean, it's like bolting a small block Chevy on top of anything. I mean, it's a really impressive thing. I mean, it's, it's crazy the power they can make with those things relatively effortlessly. And don't get me wrong. We'll see the Stevie Jackson's and the Stan Shelton. We'll see all these guys shorten the fuse and we'll see them find the edge. That's what they do. But man, I think we're a long way away from it. I really do. Uh, we're definitely a long way away from it with the rule set because it's what's again, mechanical limitation. The fact that the screw blower is so far from its mechanical limitation is the scary part about it. And when I looked at the rules initially, that's the first thing I thought is, oh, my gosh, they got this thing, you know, handcuffed or whatever. But that only shows what it's capable of by by the fact that they have to knock it down that far. And here we go. Got Stevie Jackson and and uh, his whole team, you know, arguably. I mean, would you say that in modern drag racing, Stevie has more screw blower experience and tuning experience and his team does as um, anyone in pro mod and in drag radio? Yeah. I mean, the only and, guy and, that and I think is uh, close is, is Todd Tuttero, Jason Scruggs, Jason Scruggs, Mikey Taylor, Jason Scruggs, Jason Scruggs. Taylor. If Jason Scruggs will be a, will be a hitter. Supposedly um, Scruggs tested with the with the screw blown combination earlier in the year. And the issue is that all those guys have run them at 120 over yeah. versus 75 over that they're mandated uh, by NHRA, and they've run them as light as they could probably get their cars, certainly under 2,500, 2,400-ish pounds. Um, so to be at 2,700 pounds with 75% overdrive um, and a 410 rear gear, I think is what it is, um, that's... I, do, I just think that there's a long way for that combination to go, and we just saw the beginning of it. Yeah, uh, Scruggs is definitely one of the originators of obviously the outlaw door slammer deal with with the screw blower. I'll never forget the first time I saw that car with that <laughs> screw blower on it and like that little injector hat on a small block. I mean, it's like the biggest thing in the car was the was yeah. the screw blower. Looks like bigger than Jason. Like two two bazookas or what? You know how it's got kind of got that double barrel look oh, to yeah, it or man. whatever. And it's, it's like, holy shit, man, we, we got a race against this thing. <laughs> I just don't want to see, I just don't want to see ProMod become top alcohol funny car because I think it can be argued like, hey man, if we're just going to run screw blown Hemi's, like maybe we should just run funny cars. I mean, it, are they safer? Probably. I mean, you know what I mean? And you know what I mean? I, I, I don't want to do that because I don't like funny cars as much as I like pro mods. I want cars that look like cars still. And I want swinging doors and I want the driver where he's supposed to be on the left hand side of the car. But 
I, I, I don't know. This It's a big conversation that's going to have lasting ramifications. There's no doubt about it, man. And there, there, are, there are positives. I mean, there will be teams that are able to be competitive that wouldn't be otherwise because they weren't on an Al Billis blower program. They weren't on a Mike Janis blower mm-hmm. program. They weren't on a Chuck Ford blower program. I mean, those, those things are limited. Uh, there's, there's some upsides to it. I think it's going to make, cause there's, it can also be argued accessibility like, like I said earlier. I think that that may bring some people in off the fence. I think it's crazy that we started the season. Like this is a joke, like almost put it out of our mind. Didn't even think about it. Then Stan comes out to charlotte and you're like wait a minute might be something to this then now now look at what we're talking about and look at stevie's performance this past weekend and now what are we going to be talking about for the rest of the season like this is like a something that has snuck up on everybody i feel like oh it has snuck up on everybody the question will be how many people saw what happened this weekend that are midwest drag racing series competitors that are PDRA pro boost competitors. Um, I mean, look at how well Kurt Steading and Todd Tuttero are running right now in PDRA pro boost. I mean, if I'm those guys, I'm thinking about hitting up one or two St. Louis or one of the, you know, Dallas down here to end the season. I mean, maybe the only, not the only, but maybe one of the upsides, maybe some of the silver lining to this whole situation is maybe there's some guys that are racing, that want to compete full-time and other sanctions and series that will dive into competition when it makes sense regionally, when it's in the area, when the NHRA, the big show comes to town, maybe they'll dive in because they've got a car that's not too terribly far away from being legal. So maybe that probably was some of the NHRA thinking as well. That's, but they needed Stevie to do what Stevie did in order to entice these other people. Cause there's a whole lot of guys probably around the country right now going, I got the same stuff he's got. You know what I mean? I got the same blower. We could put some weight. I mean, if he, right? I mean, and now granted, if Stevie can do it, doesn't mean that everybody can do it. Oh, We've yeah. seen that. There's with, a lot you know, more to it than that. There's but. a lot more to it than that. But I do think that it's got to at least put that. Some people are thinking about it. Some people Definitely. are talking about it that otherwise would not be, in my opinion. And I wonder what it's going to do in PDRA Pro Boost as well. Are we going to see... Like you said, Tuttero, Steading, the, and what, the way those cars are running over there. You know, you've got Johnny Camp with a, he's running well. One, Randy one Weatherford. There's a slew of them that are having Melanie. Melanie's running with the roots combination right there with the screw combination. They've, that, that's a really cool deal. The fact that all those combinations are running together. But when we see, uh, we start to see more of the screw blower stuff. And, and again, the mechanical limitations. How close to the edge is Melanie and John Salemi running that car? Or, uh, John Camp and, and Brandon Stroud and, and that tuning brain trust over there. How close are they to the ragged edge versus what maybe Totoro or Steading are at? I don't know. And, and, and is it the same on eighth mile versus quarter mile? I would say no. However, we've seen some failures. Like, I mean, it's it, when you start to race at this level, I mean, everybody is really sensitive to this stuff, but I do think we have to at some point accept the fact, much like major league sports, people are going to get hurt. Right. We don't stop playing. We don't stop talking about it. We don't ever, you know, and in this game, parts are going to fail. Stuff's going to break or whatever. And we've seen, you know, we saw, I believe it was uh, Johnny Camp pop a blower in the in qualifying or in the limit. Yeah. In qualifying during the PDRA and Northwest North versus South shootout this past weekend in Maryland. So, I mean, I guess if a guy is sitting back going, eh, I can probably buy one of these screw blowers and run it for the next 16 years, I was about to say 15 to 20, right? You know what I is mean? What, like, is what you get out of those things. 
It's a, it's a really interesting conversation. I appreciate you having with me, having it with me, Mike. Um, guys, real no quick, I do want to... We'll look, uh, we'll look forward to the blowback on that. There will be some, I promise. Uh, let me take a minute to remind you all that the West Buck Show is brought to you by our friends at Redline Synthetic Oils. Redline has a reputation with racers and hardcore enthusiasts for creating products that perform and protect better than any other on the market, and they've been doing it since 1979. Whether it's your race car, your tow rig, your motorcycle, or your lawnmower, when you think about lubricants, you need to think about our friends at Redline. For more information, log on to Redline Oil. I just topped off the old ZL1 with several courts of Redline this past weekend. Shout out to my friends over there. Uh, Mike, we've got a lot more to cover here. Let me bring you back onto the broadcast. This is where we've got we've to touch on a little bit of bad news. Mike, I, I'm going to ask you to do this with me. Um, of, it's been a rough go of it in, in recent weeks, guys. Um, we've lost innumerable legends of our sport, and the, the hits keep on coming this past week. We lost two of them. Uh, two icons, especially in terms of track operation and race promotion, Bruton Smith of Speedway Motors, uh, Speedway Motorsports, uh, namely Z-Max Dragway, uh, perhaps one of Las Vegas Motor Speedway, uh, Sonoma, his Bristol. contribution, Bristol, his contribution to drag racing is to motorsports is hard to even put into words. And uh, of course, just a few days ago, uh, uh, the sudden passing of Bill Bader, soon Bill Bader, senior uh, longtime owner operator of Summit Motorsports Park, uh, originally Norwalk Raceway Park in Ohio. Uh, crazy to think of something like that happening on the very weekend that the NHRA rolled into town for their national event um, within like. A couple I mean, of hours, basically of, at about the same time the finals were being run. Such a such a such a tough moment. I got a couple of graphics I'd like to show up here. Uh, Bruton Smith, ninety five years young, nineteen twenty seven to two thousand two. Uh, we'll be thinking about his friends and family, and uh, just forever in awe of what he's done for the sport of drag racing, building two four wide drag strips, uh, int- reviving a notion uh, that I think had left everyone's mind nobody was thinking about four wide drag racing and bill bader uh his commitment to customer service his commitment to entertaining 1943 to 2002 we confirmed earlier this week that he was 79 years old when we uh when we lost him his son bill bader jr still making a massive contribution to the sport of drag racing right now mike i mean what can you say about these guys that hasn't been said already i mean it's it all feels like fluff uh, at this point but these guys made all the difference in the world where our sport would not be where it is today without them. Absolutely. Uh, two innovators and people that cared about the sport and cared about seeing it go to another level. Um, I feel that way, especially here in Charlotte, in the Charlotte area, Bruton Smith's impact. Um, Bruton Smith Boulevard is the road that you get off on to off the interstate to go to Z-Max Dragway. And that whole area really, it was built by Bruton associating we, we a lot a lot of times especially in drag racing we don't like to be associated with nascar and we don't like talking about or comparing nascar but bruton's in, in influence and what he did for nascar especially here in the charlotte area then carried over to drag racing when he built z-max dragway and it had already by you know las vegas bristol the other places he had the sort of marrying those two it's, it's a high tide lifts all boats type of situation being lumped in with Bruton Smith with we were guilty by association. It was a and, fantastic and the success thing. of NASCAR helped drag racing and building a facility like Z max dragway. I mean, every time I go there, I'm still just blown away 
by that facility and that this is a drag strip, you know, that this is what, this is what Bruton envisioned for the sport. The same thing can be said for Bill Bader when you go there, you know, obviously much uh, something they built over time and grew over time. Uh, but huge stadium seating tower, uh, the, 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 the midway with the merchandise and the ice cream. And like you said, the uh, customer service employees dressed in white pants and American flag uh, shirts or whatever those were. And just everything, when you went there, you, you felt like you were a part of something special and you were going to be treated well. And I think that same thing happens at all the Speedway Motorsports tracks. I couldn't agree more, man. I got the opportunity to actually talk to Bruton Smith and interview him for a, for a cover story uh, of Drag Illustrated Magazine, one of my favorite covers uh, back in the spring of 2012. And I remember it, there was so much, I mean, there was, it was like walking, just getting him on the phone was kind of as overwhelming and awe-inspiring as walking into the tower at ZMAX Dragway. I mean, there was a, a whole series of events and scheduling that had to happen and calling a certain number at a certain time and all these arrangements, there were certain photos that they wanted used. I mean, it was, it was a much, it was a very, the, the attention to detail, even in that, an interview with some random guy, drag racing guy, there was an effort or a level of attention to detail that I don't know that I've ever experienced and, and maybe haven't and experienced to this day. In the big time sports and in NASCAR. And, and we, we experienced some of that working with Tony Stewart and Leah yeah. to do the cover. And even since then, like Tony's press conference and some of the stuff, the way they do stuff in drag racing, we tend to go, I'm not going through all that or just put me on the phone with them. Whatever. Everything is so casual and yeah. just directly to the point. Sometimes that pop and circumstance and going through those channels and all that stuff. I mean, just like the story you're telling that that's what it's all about. And that's what builds the mystique of a Bruton Smith. I had know? to pitch the concept. I yeah. mean, it was, a, it was a much different thing. Whenever I ring up most people or we reach out to someone to do a story on them or whatever, it's like, yeah, man. I mean, they had to like kind of think about it and like, well, what kind of story are you trying to tell? Like, what are the questions going to be? What's the direction of this? What's the, and I'm going, well, shit, I wouldn't, I hadn't even thought about it yet. No one's you know asked I mean? me that. Nobody's asked me that. I just wanted to get him on the phone, you know, shoot the breeze a little bit. And they're like, well, you know, we just love to know a little bit more about the direction of this and what we're trying to accomplish. And I, you know, and I, and, and I, it went off without a hitch, man. I, that was a guy, he really, there was all of that, the pomp and circumstance, and there was layers to it. And there was a gatekeeper. I remember all of that, but there was also the fact that this dude was so generous with his time, Mike, like he had no, there was no rush. I continued, I'm bad about this still today, but I kept apologizing for like keeping him. You're like, oh, I'm sorry. I just got a couple more things I wanted to go over. And he's like, hey, hey buddy, you know, you know, it's all good. You know? And I mean, it's like, um, I don't think he said it's all good, but you know, it's, but he kept being, he was so gracious, so generous with his time. Uh, he was even like, Hey, just hit me back. You know, if we need to, you know, anything else we need to cover. And I just, I also appreciated his willingness to like step outside the box. The four wides deal is an example, but I don't think it's really a, that it's not enough of an example to really demonstrate how, how far away from tradition Bruton Smith was willing to go. I remember him telling me that he wanted to see uh, the disparity between finishing first in NASCAR and finishing second in NASCAR be much more uh, severe. He's, I don't remember the exact numbers, but if it pays a million dollars to win a NASCAR race, he felt it should pay like 50 bucks 
to get second place because that's what's going to create action. And just hearing him talk about those things and have an appreciation for that and have an appreciation that obviously we want to be safe and obviously we want great competition and all this stuff, but I also got to put on a great show and I have to do the things necessary to make the show great. And he's wanting to change the payout structure. I mean, imagine what that would do like in the NHRA world. Stevie Jackson, I hate to keep bringing him up, but I remember when I interviewed Stevie for the cover of Drag Illustrated 100 years ago, one of the things he told me that I found very interesting was comparing NHRA drag racing or PDRA drag racing or whatever he was doing at the time. I think he was actually uh, the star of the radial tire movement at that time when we first put him on the cover. He told me, I can't begin to tell you how different it is racing for money that you may or may not win versus money that's yours. Like when he goes up and grudge races, it's he may have to take 10 grand out of his pocket or 50 grand out of his pocket and pay that guy. I remember that that passage in that story. It's such a different thing. Ron Caps, if Ron Caps loses, Steve Torrance didn't have to pay anybody any money, right? Right. Josh Hart, I mean, Josh Hart didn't have to stroke a check to, to Mike Salinas Sunday afternoon because he lost. It was just money he didn't win. Instead of winning 40 or 50 grand, he won 10 or whatever, right? And it's such a different deal. And I loved that Bruton, I shared that story with Bruton and he goes, exactly, we need to create that type of atmosphere anytime we can, you know, and it's and, not that we don't want an atmosphere for fans too. Yes. That's like part of the show is creating a facility that you can take your wife and kids to and know the bathrooms are going to be, you know, usable and yeah. clean and, and, and that there's going to be plenty of parking and that there's, you know, ton, the foods are going to be, there's going to be concession there's gonna be someone on, pick you up on a golf cart. If yeah. it's a long walk, All like no, I'm telling you, man, drag, that's the thing. And that continues to, to Bill Bader. I'll tell you, I got a little Bill Bader story here. Uh, Brian Epps, a uh, long time, very well-known and, and, and beloved drag racing photographer posted on his Facebook page, a letter that uh, Bill Bader senior had sent to him. And there was a, there's a paragraph in here that I thought was uh, really, really, really powerful. And he said, I do, he's telling him about what photos he wants in the coming years. And he says, I do know I want personality and people pictures more than I want cars and track shots. We are a people business, not about machines and metal. Families, fellowship, and emotions are the future of IHRA. This is when he was the president of the IHRA. And it's like, man, you are talking to my soul with yeah, those words. That's, are, that's drag illustrated. That it is. I mean, and I don't know that I recognized how much we share that belief, um, but I couldn't agree more. I 100 million percent believe that the people are what make the difference, the people are what make this sport great. And his his dedication to that, obviously, sending these letters out to photographers. I mean, I don't think people even know that those conversations happen, but I have them weekly. I get on the phone with a photographer, a new one, uh, and the first thing I ask them is like, hey, I'm going to get 100 shots this weekend of, of, the bur- of a great burnout and great wheel stand and the crash, and I know that you want a front row seat to the action, but I really need you shooting photos in the pits. I really need you shooting photos of wives strapping drivers into their cars. I need human faces. I want to tell stories, and I'm going to have a billion options when it comes to a burnout shot or a launch shot. There's so many of those. I need photos of people, and it's I mean, I didn't even know how much he shared. Uh, we shared yeah. that that approach, man. Bill Bill Bader and the whole Bader family, they're they're uh, uh, or Bill was a people person, and that's what he was about. And always had a smile on his face. Would greet you when you came in. I remember pulling through there for an ADRL race, and in, in the 
in the late 2000s. Late 2000s, yeah. Which I think we won, actually. You did. And, yeah. and so did, so did uh, yeah, your, so your guy, yeah. uh, David Jaynes. And there he is. He, and he's, he's greeting everybody that's coming through the gate. And uh, John Asher pinned a, a tribute to him that's on Competition Plus. And the title of it is Bill Bader, the guy that made it cool to be kind. And I think that that really sums that gave me up goosebumps, man. What, yeah, what he's what he was all about. What the Bader family are all about. He wasn't, you know, trying to nickel and dime you. He wasn't trying to get this race over with. He wasn't trying to figure out a way to, to you know, improve his business. It was all about treating people the right way. And that we talked about it this morning on our conference call. That but that is becoming a less common thing as corporations take over as bottom line becomes the top of everyone's concerns what's right and what brings people back what puts on a good show what makes people feel good those things unfortunately are always the first things to get cut when the bottom line is is what you're looking at and i don't think the bader family um, they've done well with the track but they could they could have done there's so many ways selling a pound of ice cream yeah, exactly. for a dollar. That's a, I mean, that you can't be, right you're taking too. an L you're taking, but yeah. you're doing it in the name of, of providing an incredible, memorable customer experience. And in this day and age, man, customer experience matters. I, I'm not saying everybody, but we're in an age of like concierge neighborhoods. People want things delivered same day, right? They want an air conditioned suite. They want someone I was I went to see the Elvis movie, which I don't mean to get off track, but it is the greatest movie that has ever been made. Ever. You're the only person that went and saw Elvis before they saw Top Gun Maverick. Well, listen to me. That is the greatest. My my hips are starting to itch and my legs start I'm I'm getting wound Disclaimer, up. I'm getting Wes all shook a, up has an, just uh, talking about it. Almost uncomfortable affection for elvis i really do he is my hero and that movie changed my life again just like pretty much it's unbelievable but um i don't even know what point i was gonna make what were you talking about i don't i don't know oh, well the point i was gonna oh, make ultimately going to the movie theater oh, going to the movie theater. Service. oh yeah they bring your popcorn to you now oh wow yeah bro. i mean like you just put it on your app and they bring you your drinks and your popcorn and it's like it's because you think, live in bougie Fort Worth. Well, we do live in a bougie Fort Worth, but um, but that's happening, right? And I'm just oh, saying yeah. that, like, for sure, when I go to these drag strips and it's like the bathroom is a shanty with like a, a a light bulb hanging and a little cord to like turn the light on, and I'm not trying to bag on anybody, but man, if we wonder sometimes what's wrong or why things aren't going our direction or why we can't get the crowd that they get or why we don't have the success that they get they go about it different, man. And I tip my cap to Bill Bader Sr. and Bill Bader Jr. kind of in closing here and Bruton Smith and Speedway Motorsports and Marcus, everybody that's been involved in elevating the bar, raising the bar, creating um, really a roadmap for success. And it really does. It starts with customer service. It starts with being nice. Um, I can't wait to read this, uh, this article that you said John Asher penned on Comp Plus. I'm going to pull that up as soon as we go off the air because it's... I'm... I'm a big believer in treating people right, man, and being nice. Uh, I teach it to my kids. Like you can go a long, long way in life just being friendly and being nice to people. You know, and it's, it's not uh, always the easiest path. A lot of times, that's the hardest path. But these two guys definitely showed that in taking care of people, taking care of how many people are employed by oh these companies goodness. too, especially Bruton's companies. It's 
it's unbelievable, man. I mean, you think about, they got two or three people like opening the doors for folks, pushing the button for you on the elevator in the tower. I mean, there's shout people out, Shout out to the, to the uh, media center door opener lady at ZMAX Dragway. I don't know her name, but she's been there every race for a decade. We got to get her name. We're going to we get a get picture her of her in the fall and put her in the magazine. We do because they have a they do it right, man. And uh, uh, lastly, we just want to send uh, on behalf of everyone at Drag Illustrated, obviously Mike and I, but our whole team at Drag Illustrated, we just want to send a, you know our heartfelt condolences to the families and friends. Uh, we are obviously mourning the loss of these two iconic figures, uh, but nowhere near to the extent that their friends and family are. So uh, we're thinking about you guys. And Mike, I guess we've got to uh, move on down the line here. I'm going to dive in real quick with a, with a script read and remind everybody that each and every episode of the West Buck Show is brought to you by FlowRacing.com. If you're a drag racer or a drag racing fan, you got to get on board with Flow Racing. The world leader in live sports streaming, Flow Racing provides unlimited access to drag racing's biggest events like Donald Long's Lights Out, No Mercy, and Sweet 16, every stop on the PDRA and NMCA tours, Funny Car Chaos, World Cup Finals, Streetcar Super Nationals, and much, much more. The platform provided by Flow Racing is 100% changing the sport of drag racing for the better, and there's no limit to the good they can do for our community. So log on to flowracing.com today and join the movement. Mike, um, what do we have next? We got some, I think we're going to start some, calling our shots a little bit. Yeah, here, right? let's look forward here to the Western Swing. Um, this is The Western Swing is my favorite I think it is mine too. of races in the NHRA. I, since a kid, man, I loved watching it. And just keeping up with, is anyone going to sweep? That's the big story. Just at the additional storylines make all the difference, really. I mean, it's kind of uh, crazy to think about. Um, but I mean, it's it, been since 2009 it's that crazy. anyone's got it done. Over 12 years since someone has swept the swing in 2009, it was Antron Brown. Before him, interesting little stat here, in 2008... Tony Schumacher got it done. The very yep. next year, Antron Brown got it done. Prior to them, Greg Anderson, we talked about this a little earlier in the show in 2004 amidst one of the most dominant performances, dominant, dominant runs in the history of pro stock drag racing. He swept the swing in 2004. Larry Dixon did it in 2003. Corey Mack in 1997. John Force in 1994. Joe Amato in 1991. It's only been done by a funny car driver once. John Force back in 94, only done once by a pro stock driver, Anderson in 2004. That's unreal. What, what do you attribute that to? I mean, that's a weird stat. What, what makes Top Fuel more... Uh, likely to have a, a sweep i honestly think in some regards there's been a more consistent cast of characters hmm. um i you think about like there's just or, been a or, lot or of more movement. dominant character like yeah tony, tony schumacher was unbeatable in 2008 yeah and he Antron, won every race I'm, i don't know if that it, what his season looked like that year but i'm sure he was at the top of the heap I think we're due. I mean, that's my takeaway. Can the Western sweep be swung? Uh, can the Western swing be swept in 2022? The answer is yes. Yeah. I think that we've got enough teams right now that have enough momentum. I mean, I'm looking at teams like Brittany Force that had a couple of wins this year. Grubby, uh, a notoriously aggressive crew chief and tuner. I definitely think that they could be a threat. Mike Salinas, there's something magic make your, happening make your call there right now. Which in in all in the in the pro classes that we'll just do. Uh, pro stock, funny car, and top fuel. Who, it's, who it's, is who's your contender to su to sweep the swing in each of those classes? Oh, each of those classes. Yep. Holy shit! Um, so first and foremost in pro stock, I think Erica Enders is. 
I really think it could happen. And I've got to be, I, I don't want to I think jinx that, that is, I, I would be surprised if she doesn't sweep it. That's I would be surprised confident. if she doesn't sweep it too. I am in that. I, I really, I, I almost would be more surprised if she doesn't sweep it than if she does. I think it's there for the taking. I think that they are massively dominant right now. I think that they've got a fast car. They're, they're, they've got some rhythm amongst them and it's going to take, I mean, we saw it. I mean, she would be, she'd have six wins on the season if it wasn't for an engine failure. Right. I mean, a couple of weeks ago in Bristol. So I think that she's got to be the favorite amongst all NHRA drivers to, to sweep the swing. She has Agreed. to be the favorite to, to do the deal. Um, I also think that she's got the career experience to pull it off because she's never crumbled under pressure. She's actually risen up. And I think that there are other drivers. I mean, Mike Salinas is probably who I would pick in top fuel. That was right? my pick in top fuel too. Okay. But I, but let's be honest, if we're calling a spade a spade here, Mike hasn't been in that situation. That would where be, it would be not unexpected based on his performance, but uh, still a surprise if he's, if he got this big week. surprise. Right. Yeah. And if he, and he's never, that's uncharted waters. Like he's in uncharted waters right now, having won four races in one season. This is completely new to him. So you put him in a situation where say he wins the first two races and he's got an opportunity to sweep the swing. Will he be able to keep it all? He has his escalation as a driver, his performance. He is without a doubt the most improved driver of 2022. There's not even anyone remotely close to him, in my opinion, as far as someone who has come leaps and bounds from last season. But he's that's a really tough spot for a driver to be in. If it's all on him and you're in the final round of the third race of the Western Swing and it's all on you to make history and be the first person to sweep the swing in over a decade, I think 95% of the people, maybe 90% of the people in NHRA today, pro-level drivers, they're going to be shaking in their boots in that moment. I'm just being honest. But I think you put Erica Enders in that, in that situation. She's right at home. And I'm obviously a fan or whatever, and I do think, but she's just done it. She's done it time and time again. When she has to be the difference maker. That pick or those or that reasoning behind that pick. You can't argue. Yeah, it's no sort of favoritism. It's just the fact of the matter is that she's been there. And I think that if you put her in a position, she's not only not only is she gonna uh, she won't she crumble, she will rise up. She's apt to put on to go double oh one in the final at the third race of the swing. Right. So it's she's definitely my pick. Who's your funny car pick? Man, I think I have to go with Robert Height. Um, I want to pick Ron Caps, but I just I think Ron could do it. But I think that you've got this new body that we're hearing everybody talking about, you know, the variables and kind of getting used to running these new bodies. So no one's run that top that Toyota in Denver. No one's run that bad That's boy at 10,000 feet. So I can't imagine a scenario. I'm not saying it's impossible because you can't count any of these dudes out. I mean, you look at the crew, Coletta Motorsports, you look at um, Alexis DeJoria's team. I think that they're a, a tick away from where they want to be. Uh, and obviously right. Ron Caps and, and Dean Antonelli. I think that they're, I wouldn't want to, I don't think it's impossible, but I don't think it's likely. Whereas Robert Height, I, I think that, they they just racked up a win. They're looking good. They've been they've been tons of experience. Tons of at experience. All of those tracks. Jimmy Proc. My pick is Matt Hagen. He's oh. the only one with height that I think that has experience, has the continuity of his team, has the championship pedigree. Here, let me throw this out at you. 
It's the, his home race. If you remember last year, we made a big, not his home race, but it's his, uh, his, uh, the Dodges made race, race, right? It's the power broker nationals, right? The Dodge has had a footprint on the NHRA mile high nationals for over 30 years now. Does that factor into this at all? Because it was a big deal last year when he won the race. Remember, we got the wheel wiggle, we got the camera slap, and we got the big, we, I think actually this is the anniversary. The mile high nationals will be the anniversary of what I believe to be kind of Matt Hagen getting put over like that was it's his that was his come out party that was he's obviously very successful prior to that moment but as a superstar personality that was when we first really got to see the Matt Hagen that I think we know and love today so I guess I'm just curious do you think does it change your pick at all knowing that he's going to be racing with the pressure of his sponsor on the property and they're probably going to have dinners every night and they're going to have functions all the time and all these appearances and all these responsibilities does that change your opinion at all no Okay. He's he's got enough experience to and his team does to weather that. And I actually think that he's the type of guy that that brings out the best in him. Agreed. I agree. I think that he's one of those dudes that probably need to be kept busy, right? Yeah. Like need to be kept busy, want to have a lot of going a lot going on and I think or he might again, end up at a some kind of place getting a, a brand put on his chest or something. True. True. Keep you him. can't get too We've probably slept on being branded. Because if you can do that, I don't know what could happen else that uh, isn't going to bother you. Like, <laughs> uh, right? I mean, if you can bite a belt and get branded, you're a man amongst boys. Let's be honest, right? <laughs> I mean, you may be of questionable sanity, but uh, you're you're definitely a tough guy. So I don't ex- I don't imagine he'll get rattled. So you've got um, you didn't give us a top fuel pick. So you've got Erica. I did. Along Salinas with me. was my, Oh, Salinas was pick. your pick as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're kind with of on the same page. Back with a up, of these. If I got to pick up someone else, I'd have to go with Brittany. Very interesting. I think we need to have a separate conversation later this week, maybe, uh, do another episode or sometime in the near future is when will we see the Coletta motorsports cars emerge, uh, at the level? I mean, it was huge news at the end of 2000 or excuse me, at the start of 2022 that Alan Johnson and Brian Houston were leaving scrappers racing, leaving, uh, Mike, Mike Salinas and joining Coletta motorsports. Coletta Motorsports longtime tuner Rob Flynn would be leaving them and joining Scrapper. It was a little bit of a crew chief swap. And we've seen Mike Salinas have a career year. Rob Flynn has to be walking around with his chest puffed out and a little bit of pep in his step. I mean, holy cow, what what an impression he's making, kind of reminding us all what he's capable of. I'm just anxious to see when we will see those Coletta cars do what we know they're capable of. I think they're building their combination. That is a, a term that Steve Torrance used in his interview with Amanda Music. was that, hey, we're out here. We're, we're building our combination for the future. We're trying something different. They could have continued on the same path, but they're, they think they're onto something and they're working. They're going to see it through. I don't and mean I think, to make I think, it. I think uh, we're seeing that in Steve Torrance and I think we're seeing that or we will see that in the Kalitica, in the Kalita cars as the year goes on. I tend to agree, man. So uh, we got to we got to bang through these last ones pretty rapidly real quick. um, Let's just touch on this. We were just talking about it. Are you at all surprised by the success we've seen from Mike Salinas Four top fuel wins in 2022 amidst what is inarguably the most competitive top fuel field we've seen in a long, long time? I mentioned a moment ago, 14 different finalists in 2022. Mike Salinas getting the job done four different times. Are you surprised by this? I think I was at first at the start of the year, but seeing Mike in the interviews and, and hearing what he's saying and talking about the way he's improved his driving and his dedicated, I've, I kind of feel like they've 
rededicated themselves, that that team has rededicated itself to being at the top. And maybe he's got a little chip on his shoulder too after the Allen Johnson deal. You know, like they've got something to prove that they can do it uh, with this new team, with the new set of tuners. So um, initially, I was, and I was, or I was skeptical. I think skeptical would be the word. Could he keep it up? Uh, but we've seen that. And I mean, now he, to me, he's, he's, he's in the catbird seat for the championship at this point, in my opinion. I can't argue that, uh, that take at all, to be honest with you. I think I was wondering as well, will he be able to sustain this over the long haul? We get into the dog days of summer. We get into, you know, all these other things going on in the world is, you know, this is another one of these guys that is not a full-time drag racer. I mean, he's running companies, multiple businesses. He's a family man. He's married with children and he's obviously trying to race and compete for a championship in top fuel. So you just started to wonder like, when will all of that catch up? You know, will that get into his rhythm and mess with things? But clearly that is not the case. And again, I will make the argument right now that he is far and away the most improved driver in perhaps all of drag racing, most assuredly the NHRA professional ranks. And I'm with you, man. I don't see it ending anytime soon. Was I surprised early on? Absolutely. But knowing Mike as well as I do, which isn't, you know, super well, but well enough, I do see a guy who wants to win, who, who treats everything, who competes Everywhere he goes, no matter what it is, he, he wants to compete and he expects a lot of himself. He holds himself to a high standard. And I see a guy that wasn't would be damned uh, to be the weak link. And I had him say that to me on multiple instances in 2019. I spent a ton of time with Mike and he would almost always tell me that he just felt like he was the weak link on the team. And I knew in my mind, like, there's no way that he's just going to let that be the case. Right. And here we are, proof He's positive that he man. was not. Scrappers racing. Scrappy. Scrappers He's had racing, to claw man. his way, built his business. This is a dude with no quit and is not afraid of some struggles. And I think we're seeing the fruits of him working through those struggles. There's no doubt, man. So uh, one last uh, little script read here before we dive into our next question of the day. And I'm just going to say... Remember, friends and racers, the West Buck Show is brought to you by the team at Elite HP, the world leader in used race cars, racing engines, parts, and tools. Located in Fort Worth, Texas, right down the road from me, and come see me when you come see them. Elite HP is operated by real deal drag racers with over 100 years of combined racing experience who can steer you in the right direction for all of your racing needs, whether it's a turnkey Pro Mod car or a set of Pro Jacks. You can check out their entire inventory. I do it frequently at Elite HP. I tell you what, I encourage you to go buy something, but it's fun just to look. They've always got some crazy pro mod car, 3000 horsepower Lamborghini or a smoking deal on something. Check it out. EliteHP.com. Mike, um, last question of the day, buddy. Uh, it, we would uh, we'd be crazy not to talk about it because we're going to get a little bit of a break. How about it? After four back to back races, the No Prep King series is taking a break about a month now uh, until early August, I believe, where they will return to action. But mid August, no, actually, mid August, yeah, like the twelfth or something. Yeah, Tulsa, fourteenth yeah, or something like that. Twelve, unbelievable, man. I bet they're not going to know what to do with themselves. But how about it? Ryan Martin wins again, wins Friday night and Saturday, five hmm. of eight on the season dominating performance man we Just also like we saw said man they got a ryan martin problem they got a ryan martin problem man i don't uh we we asked and the that's question, a compliment that, that's a that's a positive statement that's a compliment it is a compliment man and i think it's an incredible thing what he's doing especially when you see 
the effort and energy that some of these other teams are putting into this stuff. I mean, you've got John Odom and Jim Howe like bringing out brand new cars. You got uh, Disco Dean bringing out a brand new car. You got Larry Larson and Jeff Lutz in the mix, right? And um, you got Kai Kelly. Kai Kelly, a, a new Shocker. Oh yeah, in Tulsa. Larry Jeffers built Shocker. Kai, Kai, you've got Ryan on here on your stats. Five of eight. The uh, two of those three that were remaining have been won by Kai. He was yeah. he was tied for first in yeah. the points last so, week before this event. So he's Kai Kai put on social earlier this week uh, just a, a couple spy shots of the new car and said a fireball extinguisher is coming to Tulsa. <laughs> I saw that, man. I like it, dude. And I hope that's the case. I really do. Uh, not because I don't like to see Ryan Martin win, but I just think it's going to add to the storyline because I don't know who else is going to come along and derail him. Uh, we, we've obviously seen there's plenty of fast cars out here. Another one, um, Mike Bowman, another guy got a brand new car from Jerry Bickle that is a purpose built, no prep Kings car. I can't imagine uh, he's going to be a guy that's not in the thick of things in the very near future, to be honest with you. But no, it's uh, who's going to unseat Ryan Martin. Uh, it's yet to be seen, man. I don't know that anybody's going to get it done. I, I think he's a lock to win the champ. I hate, I, I'm not trying to, give up on it. I guess there's a lot of racing left, right? We've got still half the season. Don't they do 15 races, Mike? Yeah, I think we're either at the halfway point or or right just around past it, it. Just yeah. beyond. So there's a whole lot of racing left, but I just don't see any chance that he steps on his toe at this point. I mean, it's it's going to take some some sort of ongoing gremlin or it's going to take some outside forces in my opinion to derail the missile that is uh, Ryan Martin and that fireball Camaro right now. Unreal. Unreal. It is crazy. By that. Hey, what about this deal? We were going to talk a little bit about the small tire thing that they're doing at no prep Kings. Yeah, man, I, I can talk about this a lot because I'm actually quite, quite um, impressed with it. Uh, we're, we may save some of this conversation, but yeah, the thing is that where I'll leave it, I guess is just that they're doing so many things right. Yeah. They really are. And it's almost, I don't want to come off as a fanboy because I'm sure there's shortcomings and I'm sure there's things that we don't know or whatever. But man, when I look at all the things that uh, no prep Kings are doing, I just don't see any missteps, man. I, I love the way they, they created this Friday night deal. They've given reason people a reason to buy a ticket on Friday night. They've gotten, they've given with the grade eight deal. Um, now they have this new local only deal, local eight, I think is what it's called, where it's like an eight car shootout where it's local cars only. I don't know uh, exactly how that, you know, what the threshold or what the and parameters the winter, for being local is. The winner races. One of the stars of street stars. outlaws. It's like pros versus Joe's. I mean, I'm just telling you what a brilliant idea. I've been a big fan of this. I mean, as a race promoter myself, you know, historically, I've always wanted to make sure there was something going on. Like when we brought the World Series of Pro Mod to Denver in for the first time in what, 17? Yeah. In 2017, we wanted to make sure that there was like a fast bracket class for the locals to come participate in. We, we did a big payout top sportsman, top dragster race because they have a huge contingent of top sportsman, top dragster racers out there because it's so important to get that buy-in from the locals. That's they the number one feedback I got. And when I talk to people at our, at our races in Denver, man, this is just the coolest thing ever to be out here racing my car with, you know, you name it, pro mod racer or whatever. Stevie and, Jackson and, yes, and yeah. Erica Enders. This is and, such a big deal. It's such a big deal, man. And I think about it and that, you know, when I look at the World Door Slammer Nationals, our event that we did for two years in Orlando, um, 
that was if there was a misstep that we had in the second year a great event but we we didn't we were out of room to really embrace the local crowd and so we elected to only have our essentially pro classes and our high level sportsman classes and it's something that i've lost sleep over you know there was some of the my favorite memories from that event in its first year in 2020 believe it or not right before the the world began to burn some of my fondest memories of the whole deal were the locals, the guys that were so excited to be in the staging lane with Jay Coughlin, the guy the, that did a burnout. Yeah, James Thompson uh, did a burnout in the winners in the winter circle on all those hundreds, uh, fake hundreds. I mean, all of that. Some of my favorite fondest memories. And when you're, I just know that the Street Outlaws group are clearly some smart guys because they're recognizing there's free advertising there. There is ongoing positive sentiment created there. You, you get people excited about the tradition of it. There's just, it, it taps into a whole different world when you start to get that local involvement and you start to grow something organically and you're not just 100% reliant on you know your radio advertising or your billboards because you create a yeah. word of mouth that is, is powerful, man. And again, I mean, you're right. I, we had a whole segment kind of built around this. I think we actually should bring this up next week and talk about it at length because, I mean, it's something I'd love to see the NHRA yeah. do. They used to do stuff like this. And I'm not saying you bring John Force up to run, you know, somebody in their streetcar, but maybe, you know <laughs> what I mean? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I'm, I wouldn't, I mean, I would be all for, you know, if a first round or second round loser in NHRA pro stock, you know, match racing somebody, you know, with a local top sportsman car or something. I mean, doing some of those well, maybe things it doesn't have as much of a fit there, but this is, right. they're putting on saying. a show. They're putting on a show at no prep Kings. And it, and it's such a, it's, it's refreshing to hear them coming up with these new ideas and things that like you go, Hey, that's a pretty good idea. Like that could, that could work. And I could see it. That's smart. And while we had the elite HP up there, Oh, in the bottom, I wanted to say, we got to talk about Marty Robertson in the Holy future street cow, outlaws man. this past weekend in Houston took home that win. We're already seeing that team, uh, prove its worth with uh patrick barnhill tuning got all the best equipment will we continue to see that and i wonder when when does marty get the chance to move up manny bajinga will we yeah. see manny bajinga back in i mean i i personally am feeling some really worthwhile storylines in this future outlaws category I, I can't imagine having a car like the Badfish barracuda and a, that caliber of team and, you know, not to mention, you know, the Manny Bajinga's operation. I think those cars fit. I think Manny those was not teams there this fit. Past weekend, no, right? he wasn't there. Had yeah. an obligation. Yeah. So I don't know if we'll see those guys back. I mean, I think Manny came in with a point to prove, uh, won four races in a row. Really impressive performance. Um, but yeah, huge shout out to, to Marty Robertson, longtime supporters of ours, Elite HP, uh, here at the West Buck Show. And it's just great to see him have some success. I think that Marty's like right at home with a gazillion people on the starting line and all that buzz and excitement. He loves that. I mean, anytime that Marty and I would like go to a race or go to one of these street, you know, to late night events or whatever, he just loves it. He loves being at the racetrack at one o'clock in the morning and hanging out with his buddies. And he loves that street race vibe. And man, they do a fantastic job of capturing it. It's obviously organized and it's obviously legal, but they, they capture that outlaw energy that is pretty hard to find in drag racing at this point in time. So no, man, kudos to those guys. It's been, they've won me over, I have to say. And I, I never wasn't a fan 
but I just didn't know. I didn't know. You know, I wasn't sure. It was, is this another, is this a spinoff? Is this a, is this a, a cash grab? Is it just, hey, we can sell TV shows, so let's make TV shows. Let's make as many as we can. But what I see them doing just time and time again is the right thing. And I, I don't think there's a better example, to be honest, than this local deal. Like given these guys that are weekend warriors, regular Joes, an opportunity to come out and race in front of a huge crowd. And then ultimately, uh, like this past week or a couple weeks ago in, in Brainerd, uh, there was a Canadian small tire racer that came down from Canada, brought his team. And I mean, I don't know the man personally, but by all accounts, it was like the highlight of his life his racing career to get to race Lizzie Musi. I mean, how cool, what a cool story. And I just think they're doing a fantastic job. And every time I hear the next thing they're doing or the next thing they're trying, I'm yet to hear any that I don't like, you know, there, there may be some coming that I don't like, but so far so good, man. And I'm, I'm a hundred percent a believer. If you're, I, I'm a fan. <clears throat> I'm a hundred percent a fan, dude. So, Hey, Mike, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. This was a good one. You like this time frame speeding it up a little bit? Yeah, I do. What about JT? We got to let everyone know where JT. JT make it back uh, from unfortunately vacation. did not make it back from Mexico. Not in time. Well, he may yeah. he may not make it back at all. We're not sure. We have he no be, idea. He, he could be in jail. He could be. We don't know what he's doing. The only he, communication we've had from JT over the course of the last seven days have been social media stories. Um, him posting on Facebook randomly. Um, I noticed that their group got bigger and that's what JT does. Like I start seeing people, the first photo he posts, I recognize everyone. The next photo, there's four or five strangers. The next photo, there's like eight to 10 total strangers. Who are these people? Mag Why are they in your photo? Man. Dude, they're, now they're his best friends. That's, I guarantee you, he walked out of that pool yesterday at 4 a.m. or whatever, fist bumping people. Who are all saying, see you later, T. Nice to meet you, man. <laughs> guaranteed. 100 we'll percent guaranteed. We'll come visit you in the Plata. Yeah, we'll be up there for Soybean Festival. Don't worry. You know, we'll be there. Oh my gosh. Well, I hope you had fun, JT. <laughs> we'll be looking forward to having you back in the studio with us next Wednesday. Guys, seriously, all of y'all, thank you so much for being a part of this. Mike, thank you. Uh, of course, Dion in the, the production room, taking care of things on the ones and twos. Thank you guys and all of you, all of our sponsors, but more importantly, the drag racing community. We couldn't do this show without y'all. Um, the, the enthusiasm, the conversation, it means the world to us, and we really, truly do feel that we're doing good things for the sport of drag racing. We're trying to keep this conversation going through the week, and we couldn't do it without you guys. Thank you so much, and we will see you next Wednesday, 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, Mike and I headed out of town this week uh, to go uh, talk a little business with a print shop, eh? Golly, yeah. we got to go work? I'd just as soon talk about drag racing. Could we get that going again? Well, that's why we're doing this today. We couldn't miss it. Oh, yeah. It's all good. All right, guys. Thanks a bunch. We'll talk soon. See you guys.